Hello and welcome to another episode of the Boink Radio Podcast here in the Boink Network Discord server. Today is January 21st, 2022, and we're doing, I guess, call it part two of the uh, discussion on the paper that was put out by Levy, or I Like Chocolate, uh, the other week on building an incentivization system, uh, incentivization mechanism around Boink. Uh, and this week, since there are a lot of questions on it from the Boink community, we're going to be talking about cryptocurrencies. Woo! We'll try to answer all your questions. We know there's a lot, but take it slow. All right? Delta, are you ready to go slow? Uh, yeah, considering the beverage that I have. <laughs> it is molasses. Um, I've never had milk. molasses. But okay. <laughs> no, Marmite milk. <laughs> okay, that tastes awful. and that, That'll probably taste more awful <laughs> than what I'm drinking here. <laughs> Okay, hold on. Before we get to your drink, let me remind everyone you can join us every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Boink Network Discord server for the live recording. All right, now what are you drinking? Uh, I just took another sip, and it's pretty awful. Um, so I'm going through my non-alcoholic uh, collection. And uh, yesterday, we uh, sorry, not yesterday, last week we did the American Molten Cola, which is actually not too bad. This one, on the other hand, uh, tastes like chemicals. <laughs> It tastes awful. It tastes so bitter. It is called uh, Liars Amalfi Spritz. And it is a non-alcoholic spritz. And it describes itself as the classic spritz, evoking notes of bittersweet orange and Mediterranean refreshment. Do you want to know what it tastes like? I would hope it's orange and Mediterranean, whatever Mediterranean tastes like. No, it is the most bitter thing that you could ever taste. There's like no sugar in this. It is like blood orange looking into the can um and it just tastes like chemicals like hold on bitter like grapefruit bitter yeah pretty sure i love grapefruit though i don't think i'd love the chemicals Uh, it's so bitter it tastes like chemicals and they probably have to put something in it to like replicate the alcohol but (laughs) it just ends up tasting even more awful huh yeah it sounds interesting i've never heard it called spritz though is that a is that like a sprite spirit i don't know because i don't drink Ah, all right. I, I bet it's supposed to be like a spirit or something. Huh. All right. How would you rank this on the rank of two you've got going so far? The worst. And it's probably going to be the worst because I doubt that the other <laughs> ones can be any worse. <laughs> well, I don't know. Stay tuned for next week when we've got you drinking bleach. Woo! Oh, no. <laughs> don't worry. You won't get the coronavirus, though. Oh, boy. Call back. <laughs> okay. Uh... I don't know. Anything else to share before we get into the news? Don't buy. Don't buy this. <laughs> don't <laughs> drink it. Fair enough. All right. Well, I'll let y'all know that I got a buttload of snow over the past couple weeks, and it's a freaking blast. Let's just leave it at that and get into the big news this week, which is a new project, which we don't know how to say, but I'm going to say Ramanujan. And then I'm going to say Ramanujan. <laughs> All right. So one of those might be correct. <laughs> it is a math project. Uh, there's not much info on the Boink forum about it yet, but they do have a big old website and GitHub repo. So Delta, you want to walk us through this real quick? Yeah. So this is a little interesting project and um, it might evoke some um, feelings of discovery in, uh, in some crunches, just like how City at Home did, or even maybe Prime Grid a little bit, because it's a mathematical discovery project. 
So they don't necessarily have one big sort of problem or conjecture that they're trying to solve. Um, they're actually trying to find new ones. So um, I don't know how they do it just yet, and I'll probably have to put this into a project brief, but uh, they use some sort of program to create new conjectures pretty much. So for those of you that know, um, pi, the constant pi can be represented with some weird fraction like uh, 1 uh, divided by something minus 2 divided by something minus 3 divided by something minus 4, blah, 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 all the way to infinity. Well, um, basically, they're trying to just recreate that and find some more cool numbers that might actually apply to things. And uh, on, their, on their website, on their Boink website, they have a link to their actual website. And um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. And uh, they have examples of some of the conjectures that they've already discovered using the Ramanujan machine. It's kind of meta, right? It, it's a, yeah. yeah it's pretty, pretty cool. much uh, finding irrational numbers. <laughs> huh. All right. Well, check it out, guys. I think uh, they'll be, they say on the Boink site, the project's under development. It might take them some time uh, for them to respond to anything, uh, including the invitation. Nope. The code is right there on the site. Yeah. So you can jump on it and start crunching, see what it's like whenever you want. And there are also other ways to contribute to this uh, project as well. Uh, you can actually spend some time suggesting a proof. And um, I don't know what the proof will do, but uh, if you're a proper mathematician, go ahead and uh, have a crack at it. Yeehaw. Speaking of math, cryptocurrency. <laughs> There's no segue there. Uh, no, I guess... We had a couple questions last week when we were talking about uh, Chocolate's proposed mechanism here. So we could start with those, or do people want like a general overview of what crypto is? I think most people understand it's um, the concept of a dollar secured by cryptographic proofs, uh, and it's all generated out of computer code. So there's no human intervention. The the idea is to build a trustless system where you don't need to trust in uh, anyone to print currency or raise interest rates or lower interest rates or distribute currency this way or that way. It's just all in the computer code, and ideally that computer code is open source. So you you can look 10, 20, 30, 100 years out in Bitcoin's case and know exactly how much of that cryptographically proven currency uh, cryptographically secured currency is going to be printed every day where it's going to go and how it's going to operate. There's no, there's effectively no uh, variables. It's, of course, everything is a little more complex than that, but it, that's essentially the concept of it. Um, yeah, and I, I guess I'll address that. Great analogy. Go yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, I, I know a great analogy that's uh, been used uh, here and there. It's essentially, think of it, um, think about a board game that you might play. Um, let's say Monopoly <laughs> for the sake of it. <laughs> so with Monopoly, um, everyone takes their turns, they follow the rules of the game, and, and they have a um, financial system where you can transact and exchange between people without having to trust some sort of third party to get it right. Because essentially the computers and the network gets everything right, and that's where wherein lies the security. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, but it's not monopoly money, so <laughs> definitely not jump on that. So to get to Foxy's comment, and I think this is a lot of comment, or, uh, what a lot of people see when they first get exposed to Bitcoin. In fact, if you go look 
watch my talk at the Boink workshop two or three years ago now. Bitcoin was what, five or $3,000? I don't remember. But I think one of the things I said was, look, it's digital gold. It's going to go up. It's it's built to do that. Uh, so when someone brings up that, yeah, well, it's $35,000 today, and then it's 10000 tomorrow, and then it's you know 12000 the next day. There's a couple things to keep in mind when it comes to the U.S. dollar translation of a Bitcoin. It's Bitcoin is very, very, very new, right? So there's not a lot of market participants. So when you don't have a lot of market participants in a market, prices fluctuate wildly because there's no. It's very difficult to determine what the actual value of something is. Another aspect of it is Bitcoin is slowly absorbing the value uh, represented in dollars of other asset classes. So some people, when they see inflation, might buy gold. And that was the only thing you could really buy for a while. There were, of course, other stuff, but essentially it was gold. And now you can buy gold or Bitcoin or both. So that's an example of Bitcoin absorbing the the value represented by US dollars that would once be put into one asset now being put into Bitcoin. And that's so that means it's going to slowly increase in value. And also the computer code, like it, you can go back to the original forums on the discussions on Bitcoin before it was even really released. It's like this thing is designed to increase in value uh, over a period of time, similar to gold. So yes, it fluctuates wildly and there are market reasons for that. But in general, over a longer period of time, it is theorized that it will uh, just continue to increase in value until it finds a stable point. And eventually, you know, it won't go from 35000 to 10000 It won't go from $1,001 to $1,002,000, and then back down to $1 million, and then up to $1,001,000. You know, it's still fluctuating, but it's a much smaller range in which it will fluctuate. That's the theory, and that's what's work. That's what's happened since it's been launched. That theory has been followed almost exactly. Uh, so the pro- but but when you come to think about cryptocurrencies in terms of an incentive mechanism, just stop thinking about the price. The price doesn't matter. The technology is separate from the price. Uh, the technology is fascinating. The things you can do with it, from uh, software engineering, from programmable money to game theoretics to getting people to do something you want to do. Uh, to to uh, complex system sciences, it, it's just mind blowing the stuff that you can do with with cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. And on that topic, uh, because after all, we are continuing on the discussion from uh, the paper that we were discussing last week, and uh, essentially what the paper was describing was a method of using blockchain technology to actually implement a reward system for Boink. And uh, this is kind of already achieved with the cryptocurrency called Gridcoin, but this paper shows a um, new approach to it. And uh, so there really is some cool stuff that you can do with blockchains. Yeah. So let's just maybe describe how Gridcoin operates, and then um, maybe we can talk specifically how this paper would try to change that. But this is it's very difficult to simplify this stuff. I'm just going to come out and say it. it's very very complex stuff. Cryptos have, uh, David Traum released the first uh, cryptographically secured currency in like 1984 or five, and it's been going since then. Like people have been trying to achieve this trustless system uh, secured by cryptography for a very long time. So Gridcoin, just like Bitcoin, has a protocol that produces a, a certain number of 
coins that are secured by cryptography um, every year, or for simplicity, let's say every day. Uh, and in general, in in normal cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, those coins, those Bitcoin, are distributed to people who help secure the network. And essentially, all that means is that it helps the trustless nature of that of that ledger exist. You have a bunch of people working together to make a ledger that everyone can trust. And to do that requires work. Uh, and so you are rewarded for your work um, that you spend helping to secure that ledger. So in Gridcoin, uh, there is a different security uh, method used, a different consensus protocol, consensus mechanism used to do that work. And it requires almost zero computing power. Bitcoin, everyone knows at this point, uses a lot of computing power, uh, a fraction of what the legacy system uses, by the way, but it still uses a lot of computing power. Um, Gridcoin uses essentially zero computing power to secure that network, but it's still producing coins. So it has to distribute those coins somewhere. Uh, and the the Gridcoin network was essentially the people behind the protocol, the people who build this open source computer code decided, well, we're still going to reward people for performing the service to make this system trustless. There, there's still a task you need to complete, but it's just not computing. Uh, and so we're going to give a little bit of the grid coin to those people. But the majority of the grid coin, we're going to give out to people who use their computers to do science through Boink. And Gridcoin does not solely need to reward Boink. In fact, that community has been talking for a long time about how to uh, incorporate folding at home and any other distributed computing platform that might pop up in the future. There's a lot of stuff that Gridcoin can reward because of its federated uh, Oracle system. But that's a whole nother discussion. So the basic thing of what I just said is the protocol mints currency, and that currency is distributed directly from the protocol to people who contribute to distributed computing through Boink. Make sense? You on a roll? <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Okay. So everyone knows how Boink credits work for the most part. Uh, most people know, well, much better than I do uh, how it works. But essentially, the way Gridcoin determines how much GRC, the currency of Gridcoin, to distribute to crunchers in Boink is it takes uh, the, the basic way it functions. It doesn't technically function this way, but the basic way it functions is it, it let's say it, it mints 20,000 GRC a day, and there are 20 Boink projects that it's distributing GRC to the crunchers of. Uh, it's going to split that 20,000 GRC evenly among all those Boink projects. So each, each project will get 1,000 GRC to distribute to its crunchers uh, relative to the work they do to one another, right? So this is because each Boink project distributes credits differently. It's it's very different, uh, difficult to get a um, equivalency, as as Chocolate puts it in the paper, between like the the amount of work each cruncher is doing if they're working on different projects and different applications even. So Gridcoin approaches that problem, and just says, look, we'll split it evenly among each Boink project, uh, and and then each user of at each cruncher of that Boink project will get a proportion of the. GRC allocated to that Boink project based on the amount of work they do for that Boink project. And to be clear, the grid coin doesn't actually get sent to the projects themselves. It, it just simply uses the data from the projects to say, okay, which of the crunches are actually on the grid coin network and how much work have they done? 
That way you can calculate the rewards for each cruncher. So the projects don't actually get any of the grid coin. Nice. So it's not an ideal situation. There are some cool effects that come out of this. One being that um, in an ideal scenario, people will, will, will move to a project that might have fewer crunchers on it because they'll notice that there's a, uh, a larger share of Gridcoin up for grabs. So that means smaller, less sexy projects might get more work done on them. And you can actually see this anecdotally if you look in the Boinker Gridcoin uh, discords. A lot of times people are like, well, I'm crunching ODLK. Uh, I, it's not like my favorite project, but I'm crunching it because I can get uh, more GRC from it. So it's an, it, that's a really cool effect in my mind. Uh, but that's an effect of a, uh, a system that doesn't operate effectively, efficiently. So Maybe that's a concept we'll bring in in this new mechanism. But essentially what uh, Chocolate's paper is suggesting is there, there's got to be a way to not have to use that inefficient system, right? To, to just reward people based on the amount they can contribute to a network, right? It's, I think it's that simple. Once you understand and, and then distribute that currency from a protocol, no intermediary involved, just... Computer code runs, crypto, uh, cryptography happens, <laughs> and then currency is distributed, right? So it's, I, I think, is that a good enough summary of the uh, concept of cryptocurrency and how it would in this context? And can we go to some of the questions that people have asked? So anyway, yeah, unless uh, you want me to just quickly, briefly go over what um, Chocolate's done in the paper. Uh, yes, do that. Yeah, so in the paper from uh, I Like Chocolate, uh, they have uh, proposed two uh, ideas to, or two approaches rather, to evening out that difference in point credit and hardware and making it so that people get rewarded fairly. And uh, the two approaches that were described was the, I think, the hardware profiling database and also the new approach, which is the linear regression approach. So obviously, if you want to see all the math and all the juicy stuff um, in in here, you're better off going to the paper because um, I haven't actually fully gone through the math myself. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you want to actually go through the math, it's a little bit complicated, but um, it's all in the paper. So um, with the hardware profiling, profiling database, which I believe Chocolate said was the old idea that they had, um, basically, it collects a massive database of all the hardware and the benchmarks that Boink actually runs and uh, uses that as a method to determine how much uh, the cruncher gets rewarded compared to everyone else. Whereas the linear regression approach uses uh, something completely different. It uses the power of linear regression, which is a a uh, really, really fun statistical tool uh, to actually figure out how much you get rewarded based off of uh, what applications you work on and what hardware you work on um, uh, sort of thing without having to have that massive database. So if you want the uh, details, uh, the full details and a proper read, then um, find the paper and um, have a crack at it. Yeah. All right. So with these systems, there's a lot of really interesting things you can do beyond just uh, distributing currency from a protocol. And here's some questions that are related to that. So Alice asked last week, uh, uh, is there a system that allows large crunching systems like research organizations uh, to bid or compete for grants to task their crunching rigs on particular projects? Uh, yes. So that's cryptocurrency. 
So there, you could have a third party. Let's say I make uh, a Ringo Incorporated, and I am a nonprofit, and I ask for everyone to give me money, and I make $5 million, and I can then incentivize uh, research organizations to um, you know, crunch specific projects. You know, If you go crunch World Community Grid, I'll give you a million dollars. That is a perfectly fine system in the current world. But you're trusting me, and there's going to be a lot of inefficiency in that, in the, um, the, how the money operates in that system. So if you can do that in a trustless way, it will probably be more, be more efficient. And the way that might operate in a cryptocurrency uh, would be, uh, there's two ways. So one is a Boink project or a third party or anyone can buy the currency and then essentially distribute it to the crunchers of uh, any Boink project they want. In Gridcoin, it's called Rain. Uh, so I can buy 100 GRC. And on top of what the protocol distributes to Boink project A, I could add that 100 GRC. So that sort of incentivizes people to go crunch that system or crunch that project. Uh, another one is manipulating the protocol in a way that uh, the currency distribution is weighted more towards one project or another, uh, so that um, if we're distributing 20,000 GRC a day, maybe 5,000 of that GRC goes to one project because of the way this weighting mechanism works, uh, so that more people are going to be incentivized to crunch that project. And at that point, uh, anyone, individuals or organizations with computing power will levitate towards where they can make more money because that's what people do generally um in there is a section in the paper that chocolate wrote that is that talks directly about um people being able to essentially rent hardware from individual crunchers by uh the rain mechanism i described or some version of that rain mechanism so there there are ways in cryptocurrencies to make this happen and some of them are automated that waiting mechanism through the protocol there's a lot of different ways to implement that, and some of it is is very interesting in what would determine which project gets more weight. You know, you want to keep them equal to a certain extent, but also it makes sense that if you know a company, a for-profit company, uh, just needs computing power for like a month, and then they're going to make a bunch of money with the product they produce. Uh, well, maybe they should have to pay crunchers for getting that work done because they're they're not really doing fundamental science they're they're trying to make a product but they should still be able to make the product they should be able, be able to play in that system so they have to essentially pay the crunchers it's much easier to do through this open ledger system than it is through a third party system uh and on the topic of grants she just said the word grant but i'm going to go on the topic of grants you can also use cryptocurrencies and these the mechanisms that they enable to build grant systems where you know the the current the protocol mints 20,000 GRC and let's say we give that all to the boink projects or to the to the crunchers of the boink projects that's not the way it has to be the protocol could mint 20,000 GRC and maybe 10,000 goes to the crunchers maybe another 10,000 is put into a uh, a wallet so to speak a purse that distributes grants to scientists, researchers, Boink projects, and anyone, really. So there would have to be a, a system made where people can apply for that money and get it and use it. Uh, but that's, again, coming straight out of the protocol. It's as though the central bank prints uh, 
$10,000 and instead of giving it to a bank or to like Apple in a low negative interest rate, you're giving it to a scientist to go do some science and, you know, make the world a better place for everyone. Uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff you can do with grants in this trustless system as well. And all of it is tied around an incentive mechanism. Um, all right, Project Alice. Well, are, are there any thoughts on that? No, I think it was pretty solid other than um, the fact that um, in Gridcoin, they already have kind of like something like that where they have what's called the foundation address, um, which is what's called a multi-signature address. And so we're not going to go through that. But uh, basically, it's been used to fund development and uh, also other related things, um, I believe, not only within the Gridcoin uh, network community, but also uh, in the Boink community. Yeah, absolutely. And there's uh, a treasury proposal out there. There's a, there's a lot of internal mechanisms that uh, are required to exist in blockchain networks and cryptocurrencies. And a lot of them produce um, fees or dust or a very small amounts of a currency. Uh, and that currency can also be redirected in one way or another, maybe to a Boink project, maybe to the crunchers, maybe to the people helping secure the system, and maybe to grants and maybe to other stuff too. There's a lot of a lot of really neat stuff you can do with this. Uh, another of Alice's questions from last week. Is this incentive system geared toward individual crunchers? Uh, and what would happen if crunching conglomerates emerge and take over the most rewarding projects? This is a very good question. So the Bitcoin's system, for example, was originally geared towards individual crunchers. I did not really foresee ASICs um, <laughs> beginning to play a role in, in mining pools. Uh, beginning to play such a powerful role, role that they do, where the the actual system of Bitcoin enables individuals to help secure the network and mine Bitcoin. But in practical reality, uh, all the mining is done by a small group of conglomerates, essentially. Now, if those conglomerates get shut down, like what just happened in uh, China and um, one of the countries next to China, when like they, they cut power off to all the miners... Uh, when when those conglomerates get shut down, individuals can pick up the slack right away. They can just insert themselves into the system and start mining Bitcoin. Uh, but when those conglomerates are all running, it does, it's not practical for them to try to compete. Uh, so when it comes to uh, a reward mechanism for crunching distributed computing projects, first of all, you have to ask yourself a couple questions. What is more important, getting the work done or having individuals doing the work? Uh, I can see an argument for both sides. Like, yes, you want to get the work done, but having the individuals engaged in the science is a very powerful thing. It's kind of the whole reason that Boink started in the first place, right? Hooray, aliens! Woo! Who knows? Get people engaged in science, learning about it, participating in the system, and not being afraid of vaccines when they come out, because they know a little bit of how the process works to make a vaccine. Uh, so I think... So, so using continuing the Bitcoin example... There, once Bitcoin started to get uh, conglomeratized, <laughs> centralized into conglomerates mining it, people uh, who enjoyed that engagement process of the individuals actually doing the mining came up with ways to at least resist conglomerates forming around other currencies. So there are a bunch of cryptocurrencies out there that have what's called ASIC-resistant mining, uh, where they're actually geared towards uh, individuals and using um, consumer hardware to mine the blockchain and secure the network. Uh, I think that might be possible with uh, incentivized crunching, but also you have to consider that with distributed computing, uh, 
different applications run better on different hardware. So I don't think there's going to be a situation where a single conglomerate is just going to have all the different types of hardware and a lot of it where they can mine every project or where they can crunch every project. There might be one project or two projects or three projects. That, imagine if there's 90 projects, there might be 10 of those that um, are highly focused on specific hardware. And in that case, a conglomerate, yeah, could come in and basically uh, monopolize that one project. But there's also a bunch of other projects. A lot of them are independents, you know, run on laptops, uh, uh, hobbyists and enthusiasts. Uh, so the way the incentive me incentive mechanism might work uh, is that there would still be incentives for people to crunch those those projects that are really only built for consumer hardware. It it's all theory at this point until it happens, right? But I I I think because distributed computing is such a wide field of computing types. Uh, is going to be hard for ASICs essentially to come come out. That's why there are no ASICs for Boink. Does that make sense? And just generally, the other reason why there's no ASICs for Boink is because uh, a lot of the programs that actually run don't have one specific, very limited scope of uh, what they have to do, like a mathematical hash. It's quite more complica complicated than that. <laughs> I mean, and it, yes, chocolate. Your paper was not about Gridcoin, though. Gridcoin is the example we got to work with because it is the incentive mechanism that already exists. Um, to to Foxy's comment about Obyte uh, and Ethereum and all the other actual incentive mechanisms, Ripple did it for a while. Ripple incentivized Boeing for a while. Um, they were trusted third parties. They were essentially, you know, Ringo Incorporated. Oh, <laughs> uh, Ringo Incorporated. You know, having five million dollars or five million ripples and being like, here, guys, have some currency. It's a little different than when it comes out of our protocol. All right. I'm sorry if I'm reading your questions out of comment. I'm scrolled up and then I answer something and I scroll down to the bottom and read what's there. Uh, all right. So another question from Alice uh, regarding nefarious crunching groups that might try to gain crypto for criminal use. And then there's a follow up. Is there a crunching governance system? So when it comes to crypto for criminal use, I actually forgot that this is a common point that's brought up with regards to crypto. Um, dollars are used for criminal use much more because they're untraceable. There is a uh, large group of people in the crypto space who actually think a government or someone like the NSA or some person who enjoys some group of uh, some institution that enjoys being able to look at things, enjoys oversight, actually made Bitcoin because Bitcoin is built to trace things. <laughs> there, you can't hide transactions on an open ledger. Uh, it's actually, it's, you know, there was that big, um, recently there was a big uh, ransomware hack and they stole a bunch, they paid a bunch of cryptocurrency to release the files. And they just traced the cryptocurrency. And, you know, three months later, they found out who they were and shut them down. Like, you can't do that with cash. So there's... Also, yes, in people... terms of... Oh, yeah, sorry. You no, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, in, in terms of using or mining the cryptocurrency in order to use for proceeds of crime, uh, there's a lot more faster ways that criminals can do that, I'm pretty sure. And uh, I don't think they'd be too bothered to go in depth with this, especially with the uh, difficulty of getting into mining Bitcoin, for example. And also, you know, you gotta ask yourself the question, if someone's going to do science to do a crime, you know what? I'd rather them do that than not do science to do a crime. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in regards to the second one, is there a crunching governance system? 
Uh, I actually don't know what a crunching governance system might look like. I wish Alice was here to expand on that. But there is a crypto governance system. Cryptos themselves, blockchains are governance systems. They are entire economic networks. I like to use the term open economic network. And economic networks are just governance systems, essentially. Uh, so there are there are, uh, there are things called DAOs, distributed autonomous organizations. There hasn't been a successful one. There have been some that are more successful than others, but the technology and the uh, structures within these systems are constantly improving, and they're they're very likely to succeed at some point, uh, relatively soon. Uh, all they are are governance by a group of people. It's an anarchist or polycentric concept where there is no single leader, there's no president, there's no senate, there's nothing like that. You can have those types of structures in a DAO if you want, but you don't. it's not required for it to operate. Uh, it, and you can have a community actually decide what happens with uh, the entire network, with whether it's the currency or rewards or development priorities or whatever. You know, grant systems, how that whole process works. The community can decide. And within that community, ideally, you know, you're going to have a bunch of people who have applied for grants or granted grants or or whatever, and they're actually going to have an elevated voice, whereas so they're explaining to people who are like have never roofers, they've never done a grant in their life. They're, they're not in the scientific system, but they love Boink and they love contributing to it. So they want to have a voice in how the system operates. And as well, they should, because science affects us all. Uh, but these people who have experience in it will be able to educate the people who do not have experience in it. You know, help. Uh, they'll they'll come up with to an with an uh, come up with an idea together uh, I- instead of you know this ivory palace deciding how the whole system of science operates. So it's it's not only would with an incentive mechanism based on some uh, blockchain technology uh, provide interesting monetization. Uh, benefits and structural benefits to the entire system of science. It would, er, er, and engagement into the system of science of everyday people. It would engage people in the way the structure of science works, which is really cool. Um, Another really, well, any thoughts on that? I was going to talk about how monetization actually helps stop cheating in a second. Um, No, that was was a pretty good one. All right, let's catch up on the chat. Ooh, let's let's answer this because Comey asks, why would volunteer computing need some currency be in mind? Uh, it it doesn't. Chocolate's right. It doesn't. Boink existed before all this stuff. Uh, but I will point out that Boink plateaued pretty hard. Most distributed computing plateaued pretty hard because there's a certain amount of people who will pay money to crunch someone else's work. There is Maybe you want to call it volunteer computing. I do not think there's a volunteer computing actually exists. I'm running my computer, which costs electricity, to do someone else's work. So uh, it would be neat to at least make back that electricity cost. Um, I'm also uh, hurting my hardware, although as Delta has eloquently put in many episodes, hardware is meant to run full blast for many, many years. But still, I am using it more than if I wasn't crunching. With adequate maintenance. <laughs> Make sure it's not dusty. <laughs> I do not maintain my hardware <laughs> adequately. Oh, boy. Uh, so I think the way Chocolate puts it here in the chat is very uh, well said. It's worth asking. Like, no, you do not need incentive mechanisms to make it work. But it's worth asking, would incentive mechanisms help? Like, it, there's, there's no reason not to ask that question. Like, will it make it better? Uh, so 
uh, I think a lot of people think yes, and a lot of people think no, and that's a discussion that has to be had long term. There are some points. Uh, I brought up the one as Neil did in the chat here about sustainability. You know, if if you put a volunteer system up against a for-profit system, which exists, like renting a supercomputer or whatever, uh, the volunteer system uh, either does poorly, uh, plateaus, or disappears. Like you, you can't compete with something when money's involved. Uh, Foxy does agree with uh, the comment about volunteer computing not being real because her power bill agrees. Um, but another interesting thing that happens with monetization uh, comes from, uh, I want to call it game theory. I don't know. There's probably a better word for it. But cheating, right? You're not, uh, you're not likely to cheat a system where if you cheat, uh, you are punished, right? And, and the punishment could come in the form of uh, cost or opportunity cost. Uh, it can come in several ways. It can come in direct punishment where um, rewards are removed. Uh, a lot of people do not like direct punitive uh, repercussions in crypto systems, but it's a possibility. Um, the way a, a way to think about that in just a very simple way is Bitcoin is an incentivized distributing computing network that has never been hacked. It's never been cheated. So cool. Boink's been cheated. It doesn't have monetization. Uh, Bitcoin uses some pretty ingenious uh, theories to make it so it's very difficult to cheat. And it, its principles ingrain in people who participate in it that they don't want to cheat because it hurts themselves. Uh, that can be built into this incentive mechanism. Now, if you tie into these incentive mechanisms webs of trust and reputation, uh, you're even less likely to cheat because you will ruin your ability to participate in any group uh, making decisions. So uh, you could say in these DAOs and the distributed autonomous organizations, uh, you know, if there's a question that comes up having to do with geology, maybe someone who has proven that they are a geologist or have experience studying rocks in some way or another, have written papers, are published here, there, there, etc., uh, they might have a louder voice when it comes to any decisions on this geology task than someone who has never studied rocks in their life. But if that geologist, you know, is proven to have cheated the system at some point, well, Tough on them, you know. They're no longer given the level of a voice of a normal geologist in this geology-related question. They're given the standard level of voice um, in uh, uh, as everyone else. I did forget about that, actually, Neil. Thank. I thought that was just and a technical error. I don't think that was someone cheating. It. Also, just to keep in mind, uh, last week we did go over, or at least I I went over a lot of the anti-cheating uh, mechanisms that uh, Chocolate made in the paper. So. Uh, if you want to learn about how cheating can be prevented in Boink system or some of the cheating vectors in Boink at the very least, then uh, go check out the last week's episode. Definitely. And again, all this stuff we're talking about is in the paper too. Like We're just kind of trying to explain where these concepts are coming from because the paper is very, um, it's more high level than this. Um, okay, so... What else? What other questions on crypto are there out there? I'm, hesitant to, I'm hesitant to say what is an NFT. Okay, I will. I'll talk about NFTs. Uh, oh no! Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> NFTs are very interesting. Uh, it's a cool concept. You know, you can get your uh, membership reward card as an NFT at JCPenney. Uh, but you know, the technology's not there yet. 
and if you're thinking most NFTs are scams, you are correct. <laughs> Just wait for a little bit and the technology will be much better. And then NFTs will actually play a role in your everyday life. You'll be surprised. Because the, the NFT technology itself is a cool technology. It's just the application might not be as cool as you think. <laughs> yeah. Until we get a, um, something that's able to apply it um, a lot better. Like, uh, for example, item systems in video games. Because I remember back in the days when I was playing, um, I think it was Team Fortress, uh, they had the full item system and everything and every now and then the item servers would go down and i wouldn't have any items to use so i just have to use all the stock stuff and um wouldn't it be nice if uh that would be up 24 7 because it was on a decentralized network that's one application for nfts yeah and within boink you know you can do badges and uh, you can do interesting stuff with badges but yeah so this actually ties into a common um theme when it comes to people being introduced to cryptocurrency and that's just uh has to do with fear uh has to do with uncertainty uh and it has to do with doubt so there's it's a new technology and it's freaking open source and it has to do with money uh so there's a couple things to think about here the original technology like i said it was developed for decades and someone made a breakthrough with this the way proof of work and merkle trees and everything it works and it it worked. People had tried this before and it failed every time because there was a central point of failure. And someone was like, hey, let's try it this way. And it succeeded. So at the root, there are brilliant people following a legacy of brilliant people, many of whom are not even alive anymore, uh, and trying to build this thing that has been theorized for even longer than the technology was possible. Uh, so there's some of the smartest software engineers and theorists in the world gravitate to this new technology that is groundbreaking. Uh, but on top of that route, you're going to have people playing with the open source and just experimenting uh, in a more sort of heuristic way, just kind of trial and error. Um, and you get that a lot. And a lot of those could seem like uh, scams, but at their heart, they're just, you know, uh, someone trying something out and you know maybe it works maybe it doesn't work dogecoin is actually an example of that not trying to scam anyone when they made it but they were just like ah there's here's a joke you know it's funny we'll change some variables and the block time and the amount of currency created and, and all this stuff and and then stick oh, it on a nascar <laughs> then stick it on nascar <laughs> oh man crypto is so much more boring than it used to be uh so <laughs> there was that and that was a genuine, sincere, honest joke. No one was rug pulling or doing any of that stuff. But again, even on top of that, it's an open source technology that has to do with money. You're going to get bad actors. There's no way around it. Uh, so again, even if you go back to my thing at the, the Point Network, I think uh, I had three points. One of them was like, be skeptical. Like, yeah, be freaking skeptical. <laughs> don't put money into something that you don't know what you're doing and you don't know the people behind it and you don't know their reputation, they haven't been developing it for a long time and all that stuff. Or, you know what, arguably, don't put money into it at all. Just follow the technology and see how it can help benefit whatever you want to get done. So in this case, distributed computing, as, as Chocolate put it, is worth asking, can monetization through this new technology benefit the end goals of distributed computing? So you have to define those end goals. Uh, I would argue it's getting the science done and getting people engaged in the system. Uh, and then how? Next question. I was going to say, yeah, and have some fun, screenshot some NFTs, post them to Twitter, and uh, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and the NFTs, to bring it full circle, are one more iteration of people just kind of playing around with this technology. And they came up like, oh, there's one thing we can do with it. Let's kind of play with it. You know, let's make uh, digital real estate. Uh, and then other people got hold of that technology. And just like they did with smart contracts all those years ago, just started making millions of dollars off of people who aren't really invested in the technology. They're more invested in being invested in being greedy, maybe. Uh, who's to say? But, it's, you know, pay attention. The technology is cool. The way it's implemented, Delta, I think you put it right. The way it's, it's implemented is not always the best way. Digital real estate. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So what are, are there any other questions on crypto or an incentive mechanism on Boink? Why it's good or bad? Or, or what are some fears about having an incentive mechanism, monetization, and distributed computing? We already hit on, um, and, and also, guys, if, if you're familiar with crypto already, but you hear a lot of these questions a lot, um, throw them in the chat and I'll try to address them. But we've already hit on a bunch of possible benefits that monetization can come when it's uh, more secure distributed computing in general because of monetization. Uh, one is the ability to fund uh, distributed computing, scientific development. Uh, another is to get more people crunching, to build a more sustainable system of distributed computing essentially grow Boink uh, and, and distributing computing at large. Uh, those are three really good ones, I think. Uh, if we sat here for a little bit, I think we can come up with more. Uh, and drawbacks, I struggle to see. <laughs> you know, it does take uh, the quote-unquote volunteer aspect out of it. Um, but since I don't think it's volunteer distributing computing, it's harder uh, for me to see that angle. Uh, the altruistic angle... It comes down to, like, I see it and I respect it. Like, you want people to want to do this because they want to contribute to science. I love it. I wish that's the world we lived in, but we don't live in Star Trek reality. So if we want to get there, you know, where there is no money and people just want to do cool scientific stuff, we might need to use the tools at our disposal to get there. And one of those tools is money. Um, Other than that, I can't think of drawbacks off the top of my head. I am admittedly biased one way. Delta, can you think of any potential drawbacks to an incentive mechanism? Um, I mean, I guess really the only drawback is it depends on the way that it's actually implemented. I think that's all. a good point. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I think we're encroaching over the hour period now, so I think we should probably wrap it up. Yeah. Oh, Fo- I'll bring in Foxy's comment, and I'll also um, point out that in the paper uh, that is posted in the chat here, and also all over everywhere you can find it. Um, it talks about carbon neutrality that can come in because of um, an incentive mechanism. It talks about, um, and part of that carbon neutrality loosely is uh, efficiency of hard matching hardware to um, uh, the proper hardware to the proper application. So if I want to crunch a project that my hardware is not suited for currently, I'm still going to crunch that project because that's all I know. But if I have the possibility to trade, quote unquote, trade virtually trade my hardware for someone with someone whose hardware is more suited for the project I want to crunch, uh, all because of the way this incentivism incentivization mechanism works in the back. Uh, that would be really cool. And all of a sudden, we're going to have more people crunching the proper projects for their hardware. Uh, and that will increase efficiency throughout the system. Uh, Gomi, if your hardware is not good at any project, you know what, buddy? I appreciate you anyway. <laughs> it's good to have uh, a go. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Foxy's comment is the next step is 
to private companies with private research to join Boink and get more projects. Um, this is something to, I don't know what you're why you're saying that. Like I don't know the context there. Like yes, I think that's really cool, and I I think monetization would encourage more companies to uh, contribute to Boink. And if you think about it from a think of like a server farm, you know, if I have a bunch of idle processors all the time. Yes, I can contribute to Boink projects and get the social currency of doing something good. You know, the 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 good feels from me and the people who uh, are my customers. Um, but you know what? If I'm uh, a server farm and I can get paid to contribute my idle processing power to the scientific to the scientific research, I'm going to do that whether or not. I get the good feels. Like I'm all of a sudden, the amount of processing power we have the potential to tap into is um, much greater because you're able to tap into the commercial world, where people will or companies will only do things if they can pad their bottom line. Like I might personally think that's bullshit, but you know what? I see where they're coming from. That's the world we live in. It's unfortunate, but uh... <laughs> all right. On that note, are there any other thoughts? Um, regarding my Amalfi spritz, it does actually kind of taste better the more you drink. It's great. It's like coffee or it's like alcohol. It, I mean, yeah, the, the bitterness has kind of gone away it. because it's just bitterness in my mouth right now. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. I think they might've nailed the, uh, alcohol feel where it's like your first beer is just trash. It's just garbage. You never want to have another, but then, you know, you have a couple more and it's like, oh, beer is good now. <laughs> <laughs> American beer, right, Foxy? I am American. <laughs> yeah, they That's were able to do this with name. non-alcoholic. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we will wrap up. I will uh, close. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. Uh, I will close on just this comment here. This is the discussion that's got to be had, right? Someone put a lot of time into writing this paper, and it's a good paper. It has a lot of really good points and discussion points. So have the discussion. Let's see what comes out of it. Uh, go back and forth. I'm sure, even though uh, I cannot think of them off the top of my head, there are drawbacks to monetizing Boeing. But I want to hear them, and I want to talk about them. What I don't want to hear is just like, boo, one side or the other, right? Open mind, discussion, right? Okay, that's enough. We'll see you all next week, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Boink Network Discord server, where I think maybe we'll move beyond this paper. Yay! And maybe you might see a project brief on the new project. Hey, that's going to be fun. All right, folks, have a great week. Have a good one, everyone.